Hello and welcome to Balfour Beatty's Infrastructure Matters podcast series. We're delighted to have you with us today. I'm Angela Plew, Environment and Sustainability Manager at Balfour Beatty, and I'm your host for this episode, where we're going to be discussing geopolymer concrete, a new low-carbon concrete alternative. My guests today are Paul Wint Hansen, Environmental Manager at Balfour Beatty, and Rasheen Hyde, CEO of a Queen's University Belfast spin-out, NOMAD, which stands for Novel Materials Architecture and Design, and she's also a part-time lecturer in Ulster University. Welcome to you both today. How are you? Great, thank you. Hey Angela, how are you Rasheen? Great, well let's get started, shall we? So undoubtedly, reducing global carbon emissions is at the forefront of everyone's agenda, especially at the moment due to COP26 conference that is currently taking place in Glasgow. We're all aware that the construction and infrastructure industry has a significant environmental footprint and has a key role to play in abating the terrible consequences of climate change that we are seeing across the globe at the moment. Sustainability has long been at the heart of everything we do at Balfour Beatty and finding sustainable low carbon alternatives to standard materials is one of the challenges that we and our industry faces. So Paul, starting with you first of all, can you tell us a bit about the sustainability issues in construction and why we're discussing concrete today? Sure thing Angela, um, I think the research that I usually go to is the UK uh, Green Business Council. Uh, they did a climate change assessment uh, a few years ago now and uh, in summary they said that 40% of the UK's total carbon footprint is from the built environment. So that then splits down um, into uh, that new construction element. Um, when, when we're talking about materials then 55% of, of half of those emissions are from products with uh, the others being taken up by transport and the actual construction process. So you know that's a large chunk of the carbon emissions are actually from the products and materials that are used within in new builds. You then look at the end of the process and uh, the, the construction industry is responsible for an estimated 60 million tonnes of waste. That was calculated back in 2016 by DEFRA. Um, and 51 uh, million uh, uh, tonnes of, of waste are actually from excavations. The other part of that is, is actually from the materials and products that we're using, so demolition. The headline is that it seems like there's a massive opportunity to uh, increase productivity and maximise efficiency in how we're actually using materials. Fantastic. Yeah, and I love that you're highlighting the opportunity there because often with a lot of sustainability issues, it's all a bit of doom and gloom, but it's brilliant to hear you talking about the opportunities there. So great. Yeah, collaboration right at that early stage. Great. Thank you, Paul. So Rasheen, over to you. What is the environmental impact of using concrete? Um, well, concrete is responsible for um, approximately 8% of global CO2 emissions. So, you know, to put that into, I suppose, easier to understand kind of quantities, that would be the same as all of the CO2 emissions from every car in Europe, America and China 
So it's it's a huge proportion and it's increasing annually. Um, the other impact of concrete, a lot of the aggregate materials come from lake beds and uh, river beds. And, um, you know, we're also quarrying and, and extracting a lot of the um, the, the aggregates, then the limestone itself, we're having to take that, crush it, heat it, it releases CO2 from that process. Then we're also using a lot of, you know, energy, fossil fuels to um, for the heating process, which are also releasing CO2. And then in the current linear model of production, that material is then, you know, end of life, it's, it's a lot of it is just going straight into, you know, um, landfill and waste. So, um, you know, basically, we need to move from that linear model of take, make and um, dispose to a more circular economic model where we target um, the uh, use of raw materials, we target mm -hmm. CO2 emissions and we target the amount of waste by keeping materials in use for longer, as, as Paul mentioned previously. Great, yeah, so, so it, quite a heavy industry. Um, we obviously see concrete day-to-day um, -day around the area and it's good to be, reckon, um, to be reminded about that environmental impact that sometimes is a bit more behind the scene. So you mentioned a couple of things there about making um, concrete more sustainable. So can you just tell us a bit more about what is sustainable concrete and, and, and how we can perhaps begin to use it? Yeah, so concrete is essentially a mixture of water and aggregate and cement. And we mix the cement and the water to form a binder or kind of a glue which holds the aggregate together. So the two places that we can kind of reduce the footprint is by using more sustainable binder materials and more sustainable aggregate materials. Um, so the mixes that I've been working with have up to 96% byproduct and waste materials rather than virgin aggregate and uh, Portland cement materials. So um, essentially the kind of the strategy for doing this is to identify materials that are high in um, aluminous and silicate content, which can be activated chemically to produce the binder. And then rather than using virgin aggregate materials, you're going to use um, waste materials such as um, quarry dust or recycled aggregate um, from previous construction projects, um, which is going to reduce the, you know, all of three of those targets. So reducing the use of raw materials, reducing the CO2 emissions and reducing the amount of waste um, that we produce. Great, thank you. It sounds like there's so many synergies there with what we're trying to achieve through our Building New Futures strategy. So, Paul, can you just give us a bit more information about what our three take-home messages are for our strategy and how more sustainable concrete could potentially tie into that? Yeah, sure thing, Angela. So our strategy runs under uh, three um, headlines, and that's environment uh, change and managing our impact. Materials, choosing the right materials, using less of them and creating more values from uh, the materials that are no longer needed. And then there's our social impact and communities and improving the prosperity and well-being of individuals and communities. How did you first get involved in the project and working with Rusheen? Yeah, sure. So. So it started a, a couple of years ago um, and we were presenting 
talking uh, around solutions around what the construction industry needs to do in Scotland. And it was through the Royal Scottish Geographical Society. Uh, they were running a series of um, uh, workshops that have come up with recommendations for the Scottish government. And Rasheen was presenting on her geopolymer research. And, you know, naturally for myself, this is something that Balfour Beatty have looked at in, in different ways. Um, so, you know, there was a connection there around the possibilities and the opportunities and the solutions. So it really started there. Thanks for that, Paul. So Rasheen, what kind of savings and benefits can geopolymer or sustainable concrete provide? Um, well, geopolymer is one of a range of low carbon concrete. So essentially the conventional concrete for every tonne of cement, we're producing a tonne of CO2. So 40% of that is coming from um, the CO2 emissions from the energy used to produce it. 40% is coming from um, the limestone, it's uh, calcium carbonate. And when we heat it up, 40% of the, the kind of the CO2 generated is released directly from that stone. And then the other 20% is um, coming from transport emissions. So extracting the materials and then transporting them to the site. So um, by using byproduct and waste materials, which contain the right components for making a cement, which is um, aluminates and silicates, we can substitute that um, either partially or completely um, for the ordinary Portland cement content, which is the source of, of most of the emissions. So some of the kind of materials that we can use as alternatives are um, from the metallurgy industry. There's mine tailings and uh, furnace slags from agriculture. We can use biomass ash. Um, from recycling, we can use um, cement, glass, aluminium, um, and uh, from, you know, in naturally occurring or from the mining industry, we can use byproducts of, of quarrying, such as quarry dusts and, um, you know, other products. So there's this kind of really, wherever you are on the planet, there's a local source of byproduct and waste material, which contain high volumes of aluminates and silicates. Um, specific to the, the project we recently completed um, with uh, Balfour Beatty, we were using byproduct of the water uh, treatment plants from Scottish Water. So when drinking water is processed, there's a kind of a sludge material and that has a very high aluminate and silica content, which we can use to produce cement. So really there's an extremely wide range of, of sources. And by using those waste materials instead of the virgin aggregates and virgin limestone, we are reducing the impact on the three target areas, which is the use of raw materials, the production of CO2 and the generation of waste materials. Really interesting. Thank you. Um, so I guess here in the UK, we typically import um, a lot of the cement materials. But from what you were just describing there, it seems like perhaps this is also a solution to become more self-reliant. Do you think that's fair to say? Yes, no, definitely. Since since the 1970s, I mean, up until the 1970s, we were completely self-sufficient in terms of the cement and concrete materials that we used. But um, after the energy crisis in 1978, I think it was, um, we became increasingly dependent on imports. And long term, it's also not sustainable to be transporting, you know, heavy materials such as, um, you know, cement from halfway across the planet, which I think currently we're at around 30 to 40 percent of cement materials 
material is imported to the UK um, and there is widespread availability of, of all of these types of byproduct and waste materials that we can be using instead, um, you know, resulting in less dependence on imported materials, um, local supply chains and, you know, the generation of, of local jobs and employment. Wow, yeah, I didn't I knew we imported cement, but I didn't realise the figures were quite so high. So thanks for sharing those with us. Um so thinking about the other elements of our strategy, um, Paul, does this potentially open the door to modern and digital careers for us then? Uh for me, Angela, I think uh, it does. Uh, you know, what you've just been hearing there um from Rasheen and and you know, thinking about a circular economy, we're gonna have to be more nimble um and and maybe change um the you know for certain concretes the the constituent elements um and you know to do that you you know you're going to have to coordinate um different waste sources and and different processes um to to basically increase that opportunity for circularity so i think the only way you're going to be able to do that is harnessing digital technologies um, and also utilising off-site solutions and modern methods of construction more. Um, so if you just think about digital solutions, then, you know, obviously that's then about understanding what material flows you've got coming in, uh, you know, what um, uh, process that those materials need to go through and then obviously uh, what that quality of, of the product that is needed um, and what it's going to be used for that that I think is going to help us be a lot more flexible if you think about um, modern methods of construction and, and off-site solutions um, <clears throat> then you know being able to use digital tools to only use uh the 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 resources and the energy that we need without you know eliminating waste uh, and being as productive and as efficient as possible then you know that's going to be really helped by harnessing digital tools so i think that's uh, two two elements there's obviously different layers to that uh, be it using um, uh, digital tools for the actual design process, for the uh, production process, and then the construction process. So I think it'll come through all different different layers, to be honest. And um, I think that's where we need to need to get to, just to help us become more productive and efficient and get the quality right. Thanks. Yeah, it's so interesting to hear that interplay about the the how these new sustainable materials will also open up other um, potential career opportunities and just how construction might change in the future. Great. So, Rasheen, are there any other benefits that we haven't discussed so far in today's discussion? Um, well, one of the applications we're looking at with the geopolymer material is 3D printing, which is quite an exciting and, and kind of innovative technology. Um, it eliminates the need for creating formwork and um, there's also a lot of flexibility. You could create, you know, a huge range of components that are all completely different. Um, the reason that this geopolymer concrete is particularly suitable for this is because it sets very rapidly and it's also extremely strong, which means that you can use much thinner kind of sections and less of the material so it feeds into you know uh, Balfour Beatty's sustainability action plan of using less materials and you know more sustainable materials so the impact of this would be that we could be building buildings um, you know with complex geometries we could be producing the components on site 
um, the geopolymer concrete sets very rapidly. So it, it, it really is, it's a, it's a very good product to use for the 3D printing. We've done some early trials in that and we're continuing to work on that. Um, it's also, it's, it's I, I think of it as a super material um, because it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, like kind of carbon fiber and graphene and things. It's, you know, it's not just the more sustainable option, but it's the higher performance option. So it's more chemically resistant because of its um, polymer nanostructure. Um, and it's also um, more stable in extreme temperatures because it doesn't have uh, water contained in it the same way that conventional concrete does. So at high and low temperatures, there isn't a water content to freeze or, you know, to um, heat up and expand, which causes damage to the concrete. So um, this type of material will be more durable as well. So it will last much longer. It will be stable in, in kind of chemically, you know, challenging environments, whether it's from pollution or, you know, in a seaside location or when it's used in, in kind of, you know, maybe um, sewage pipes or something where you have a lot of, um, you know, acid and alkali environments. So, um, you know, this is kind of, it's not just, as I said, it's not just the most sustainable option. It's also the, the kind of higher performance option. So it's what we would call kind of low carbon, high performance. So it's it's the best of both worlds, really. Brilliant. Yeah, because so often when we're looking for sustainable material swaps, we're looking for equal or approved. But it's really interesting to hear from you today about sustainable and more sustainable materials that actually offer a better performance. So wh why why don't we use this commonly at the moment? Um, there are, I suppose, a number of barriers that be kind of, um, you know, cultural barriers, maybe the, the um, construction industry, you know, it's a high risk industry. If something fails, the impact is significant. So the construction industry can be quite conservative. And this is, you know, a disruptive technology to the model that we've had for kind of, you know, two or three thousand years of using limestone based cement materials. So, you know, there needs to be a lot of testing and, and you know, um, as part of our, our work with Balfour Beatty, we're having the materials independently tested, you know, by BRE, and then we'll be getting certification on the products to ensure that they meet those standards. So that's kind of a lengthy process in itself. Also, we need fundamental changes. There's a limited range of um, applications that the materials can be used in um, due to our building regulations. Um, so we need changes to and, and our, our technical standards. Um, which are based on, you know, concrete in the UK and in Europe and in America is defined on its its percentage of ordinary Portland cement that it contains. And a lot of these modern low carbon concrete materials contain no uh, Portland cement. So we need to change our definition of concrete. Um, this already exists in some economies in Australia. They actually use performance based standards. So a concrete is, you know, measured and uh, assessed by its performance rather than and it's ordinary Portland cement content. So um, those changes are underway in the UK and in America, but uh, changing building regulations and standards is quite a, a long protracted process. So they are underway, but you know, once those new regulations come into force, it's going to allow a lot more applications of these types of materials. Great, thank you. Um, so Paul, obviously these are some of the challenges, but it from what you and Machine are telling me today, it, it seems like a no-brainer. We want we want to get these onto our projects. So how are we working collaboratively as Balfabiti to try and maximise and identify opportunities when we can begin to use these products um, and geopolymer concrete on our projects? Uh, that's right, Angela. I think 
Rasheen's highlighted uh, the the barriers and and the um, issues that we're going to have to work through. Um, you know that that need uh, for consistency and, and something being guaranteed, then uh, the design process doesn't, as it is, the design and contracting process doesn't really hold itself for, for um, uh, you know, exploring these new technologies. Um, so we're, we're finding new ways of doing that. One way is looking at um, uh, opportunities to trial the materials in in controlled manners, in a controlled manner. Work with Rasheen and her team so that you can go through the material specifications in that way. And then also uh, looking at then how could that be scaled up commercially? Um, you know, so there's a lot of moving parts within that. But what we're trying to do is target specific project opportunities to run trials on, learn from that, bring our other supply chain partners in. Then, then work with uh, Rasheen uh, to hopefully find uh, an, an opportunity where we can actually bring this uh, to scale and use it uh, more often. You know, there will be lots of different uh, concretes used, as Carbon was just saying, the lower carbon concretes, you know, they're there and they can easily be used. But I think the benefit <clears throat> of pushing uh, this, it's not really innovation for me, it's just something, as you say, that we should be doing uh, because of the, the benefits of it. And hopefully uh, that's commercial benefits as well well um you know then uh, the the opportunity that we have for there is is actually reducing the environmental impact of, of these materials further than we can at the moment great thanks paul it sounds like such a really interesting collaboration to be part of and such an important one as well so thank you both um i really appreciate you joining me today to share your expertise on the topic it's been really informative and interesting discussion and i've really enjoyed hearing from you both today and to those of you who are listening and took the time to play or download this podcast a big thank you to you as well so you can find out more on our website about our COP26 activities and some of the steps Balfour Beatty are taking to, across the business to drive down emissions for our activities. Thank you.